0: We're going to look today at missions, and we're looking at it in the light of the fact that it is God's mission, singular, being lived out through our lives. In, on April 14th, 1912, the Titanic sank, and 1,528 people went into the frigid waters. John Harper, after putting his only daughter on a lifeboat, was seen swimming frantically to people in the water, leading them to Jesus before the hypothermia became fatal. Harper swam up to one young man who had climbed up on a piece of debris and asked him between breaths, are you saved? The young man replied that he was not. Harper tried to lead him to Christ, only to have the young man, who was near shock, reply no. John Harper then took off his life jacket, threw it to the man, and said, Here then, you need this more than I do, and swam away to other people. A few minutes later, Harper swam back to the young man and succeeded in leading him to salvation. Of the 1,528 people that went into the water that night, six were rescued by lifeboats. One of them, Aquila Webb, was the young man on the debris. 4 years later at a survivors meeting this young man stood up and in tears recounted how John Harper had led him to Christ Harper had tried to swim back to help other people yet because of the intense cold had grown too weak to swim his last words before going in under in the frigid waters were believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved does Hollywood remember this man not a chance This servant of God did what he had to do. While other people were trying to buy their way into the lifeboats and were selfishly trying to save their own lives, John Harper gave up his life so that others could be saved. See, John Harper knew what it means to be a missionary, but dying for the gospel is not the definition of missions. Ironically, it's not exactly easy to define missionary or missions. Merriam-Webster calls a missionary a person undertaking a mission, especially a religious mission. Dictionary.com says a person sent by a church into an area to carry on evangelism or other activities as education or hospital work. The Cambridge Dictionary says a missionary is a person who has been sent to a place, usually a foreign country, To teach a religion to people who live there. And these definitions of missionary stink. They generally limit the definition to someone who is doing extraordinary service for the church or a religion, somebody who's left where they're at in order to become a missionary. And I think we need to get our definition for a missionary from a much better source the Word of God. But it raises an issue. Many people look at that and say, but the Bible doesn't have the word missionary. You know what? It doesn't. It also doesn't have the word rapture. It doesn't have the word Trinity. Because guess what? None of those are words that are in the original language. But just because the word isn't there doesn't mean the concept isn't there. The word missionary comes from the Latin word which is a translation of a Greek word. So, missios is the Latin word. The Greek word is apostelos. It means someone who is sent, somebody who is sent by God. And we have the word apostles that we think of that comes from that same word. But all of us are apostelos. All of us are sent by God to do a purpose. We see that in the Great Commission, where he says go into all the world and share the gospel. But in reality, even that we miss something there because in the original language it says as you are going into all the world. Not saying, okay, people, you go over here, you go over here. It's saying as you are going, share the gospel, making disciples of all nations. And so we need to really look at it from that viewpoint. God's mission is what we are joining in on when we join mission. And it has been said that God's mission is to gather a people from every nation who will enjoy his grace and extend his glory. And that is my goal for you today, is that you would begin to help gather a people who enjoy his grace and extend his glory. In John chapter 17, starting with verse 17, says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For they, their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. In them and I in them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love which you love me may be in them, and I in them." passage, we're going to look at five aspects. We're going to see that we are sent to be sanctified in truth. We are sent to help others believe. We are sent to seek unity with God and his church. We are sent to share in promoting God's glory, and we are sent to embody God's love. First, we're going to see that we are sent to be sanctified in truth. Verses 17, or sorry, 17 through 19 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent to the world, I also have sent them to the world. For their sake, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. You see, participating in God's mission, a major part of his goal for our lives is that we be sanctified in in truth, When we think about being sanctified, we hear this term. And we think about sinning less, being better people. And that is a result of being sanctified, is sinning less, being better people. But when Jesus gives this passage, he gives us a contrast. And the contrast is the contrast between being sent into the world and being sanctified. The word sanctified means made holy, and holy means separated apart for a purpose. And there's an interesting contrast there, that we are set apart for a purpose, and yet sent into the world. And how do we balance those two things? It's not easy to do. We can go to one extreme imagine the Amish or the Old Order Mennonites they have sought to be holy by following this rule and that rule and being separated from the world and having their own distinct communities and they they may have concentrated on being sanctified but it's become legalism instead of being something living and they have no influence on most of the world because they don't interact with most of the world. So that's a dangerous extreme. We can equally go to the other extreme. There are churches meeting right now in this city that are endorsing homosexuality, that are endorsing abortion, that are endorsing euthanasia, and they have become so much like the world that they are in that they are no longer separate. They are no longer separated for God. And the world can't tell the difference. It's not just the extremes that are dangerous. We also must be aware of our motivations. God calls us to be sanctified in the truth. The goal is not just doing the right things, but doing it for the right reasons, the right understandings. And where do we get those understandings of what we should do? By being immersed in God's word and letting that be the motivation that we work from. If we follow a rule that is externally enforced, if I come up and say that, ladies, you are no longer ever allowed to cut your hair, that'd be pretty stupid of me to say something like that. But there are churches that do that. And if you suddenly said, okay, I'll follow what you said, you know, the guy up at the pulpit said it, so I'm not gonna cut my hair anymore. Would that change you at all? It would be an externally enforced rule and it would be meaningless. On the other hand, I've got a good friend, or actually my wife's good friend, who she believes that's exactly what the Bible said and believes that the Bible says that she's supposed to wear a head covering in church. She doesn't try and force it on anybody else Quietly does that, and because it's motivated from her understanding of the truth, it blesses her to be able to do that. And so, we need to be motivated by the truth as God's Word speaks to us, not as we push it on somebody else or someone else pushes it on us. So, the question here is Are you seeking to apply truth in your life while living in a world? that denies truth, because we are surrounded by those that deny there is even a possibility of truth, let alone admitting what is true. So first, we're to be sanctified in the truth. Second, we are to sent to help others to believe. It says in verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. The chain where God, through Christ, shared with certain people. And through their word, others believed. And through those people's word, others believed. And through those people's word, others believed. And that chain continues on. You believe because someone told you the truth and helped you to be able to believe. Now, this is the aspect that most people associate with being a missionary, They don't really think about the being in the world while being sanctified. Well, sometimes they think that missionaries are all perfectly holy. But they do think about they're going to share the gospel. They're going to help other people to believe. You know, any missionary that tried to share the gospel without knowing the truth in their lives, it would be worse than useless. It would be harmful to those that they are trying to reach. And so they have to start with a sanctified life, but then they have to also share the gospel. A famous saying from Francis of Assisi is, share Christ with other people at all times. When necessary, use words. I think that's a good start to a statement, but it's insufficient. Because in reality, it's always necessary to use words. Because they won't know if what you're doing is just because you're a good person or because God has motivated you unless you speak the words to share it with them. John Harper wasn't sharing Christ or giving away his life jacket because he was legalistically required to because God said you have to do that. He understood the truth that those who die without Christ are eternally damned. And he understood the truth that God wants us to reach them and to bring them the truth. The intent of Christ has always been that new believers are born from the testimony of existing believers. Now, God can bring someone to salvation without human intervention. But he chooses to use his followers in the process. And as my authority for saying that, I want you to look at the New Testament. Every time after Christ left, that someone came to salvation, a human was involved in their coming to salvation. And you go, but wait, Paul on the, on the road, you know, he, he saw the vision on the road. And what did the vision tell him to do? Go find a certain man named Ananias and uh, let him share with you the truth of what you should do. Okay. The uh, eunuch who's riding along the road, he was reading scripture, and Philip comes up to him and says, "Do you understand what you're reading?" And only after it's explained by Philip does he come to salvation. Cornelius had a dream about salvation that said, "Call for Peter, who's staying at Simon the Tanner's house." And he'll come to you and tell you how to be saved. We see throughout Scripture that people are saved by other believers sharing the gospel with them. And that he uses us in the process. Even today, if you go to Islamic countries, one of the things that has happened frequently in Islamic countries is that the people there will have... A dream. And almost every single time, everyone that I am aware of, that dream has not told them how to be saved. It has told them, go seek out this person who will share something with you important. Or, I am Christ, but to understand who I am, go seek out this person and he'll explain who I am. It's always God directing us to people to be involved in the process. Now, don't get me wrong. He can do it, but he chooses to use us. So my question for you is, is your life spent seeking to help others to believe? Is that something that your life is actively doing? So we see that we're to be sanctified in the truth. We are sent to help others believe. We also are sent to seek unity with God and his church. Verses 21 and 24. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. Think about the young man, Aquila Webb, floating on that board. He was alone. There may have been people all around him, but he felt alone. With people dying all around him, he had probably felt, never felt more alone in his entire life. And then John Harper came and gave him a life vest. And suddenly, he's got a connection with a person that he could never have imagined. And over the next few minutes, as John Harper goes to talk to other people, he feels alone again. But he sees this John Harper guy doesn't seem to be alone. And when John Harper comes back, his heart is ready to receive Christ. And his life has changed from that moment on because John Harper offered a connection person to person that led to a connection person to God. Now, some people look at that and go, okay, it's obvious that I need to have unity with God. So much so that we're not going to spend a lot of time on that this morning. But then looking at it and going... I got to have unity with that person. You all know who that person is. And if you're looking around and going, I don't know who that person is, then it probably is you. Okay? But we all have that person that we're going You mean I have to put up with them and I have to have you- them? Yes. You have to have unity with those people. Early in the Protestant missionary endeavors, missionaries were often sent by themselves or with just their immediate family to start a church. Or at least that's the view that we've always been shown. We hear of Adoniram Judson, Lottie Moon, William Chalmers Burns, and how they were successful, but they were alone. And that story is false. You see, as we look at those people, Adoniram Judson worked with a gentleman called Luther Rice to get the church started where he was serving. Another missionary worked with him. Lottie Moon worked with at least three other missionary families during the time that she was there. William Chalmers Burns worked closely with Hudson Taylor. None of them worked by themselves, but they worked with other people. And to this very day, when we send missionaries we send them as teams. If you look at the people that our church has been serving through the team that's there this last week, they are various missionary families from around that area. Almost 30 kids and their parents that are together there. Now, they may not be all in the exact same city, but they are all close enough that they can cooperate with each other encourage each other, offer each other resources, and help each other. And that is the ideal of missions internationally, but that's the ideal of missions here in the local church. When you are facing something, you should be able to cooperate with someone else and say, hey, help me out with this. You cannot be effective in this Christian life without support from other believers. Over time, you may tend to go into your own shell and not care about other people, or over time, you may tend to go and become just like the world. You need the Christian influence to balance you as you go along. So that raises the question, are you living in unity with God and with his church? Nothing gives us strength to live in the world and yet sanctified like the support of other believers. Our next thing that we see from this passage is that we are sent to share in promoting God's glory. This is where we get to participating in his mission. Verse 22 and 23. The glory which you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. You know, the word that says give can be used in a couple of different ways. If I were to say, I'm going to give you my car, okay? Once you take it, I no longer have it. But thankfully, I also don't have to worry about a 170,000-mile car and doing all the maintenance on that, right? So I give it to you, and you've got it. That's not the way that God is talking about how his glory has been given. He didn't give, it to you, give some of it to you, therefore he has less of it. It's more like giving someone wisdom or giving education. If I teach someone how to do something... Did I lose the ability to do it when I teach them? No. In fact, in most cases, I understand it better after I've taught them. And so, not only have they gained, but I have gained. And when Christ, God is giving us his glory, he is giving it in such a way that it increases his glory. Now, the other aspect of this giving is, imagine a light bulb that gives light to the room. Does that room suddenly have the ability to glow by itself once the light bulb goes out? Not at all. It's giving it, but the room is reflecting that. And that's the way it is with God's glory being given to us, is it, we become the reflectors of God's glory. See, as we look at it, God increases his glory by sharing it with us. And as he shares it, we don't receive from him something to be able to have our own glory. We receive the ability to reflect his glory back to him and out to the world. Back to him so he's magnified, out to the world so that they can see God's glory. And they can't help but looking at it. You know, John Harper was never recognized for his swimming ability, never recognized for his generosity of giving away a life vest. But those who were influenced by him know that he reflected the love of God. The one young man who was saved, Aquila Webb, he recognized him. We don't know how many people physically died that night and entered straight into heaven because of John Harper saying, I want you to look at God. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. How many people took that last message and had hope? So again, the question, have you glorified God? And have you told others of his glory and of his deeds? That's the way that we can do this. In Psalm 96.3, it says, Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all of the people. You don't have to be a theologian. You can just tell the deeds that God has done in your life. He fixed my marriage. He kept my marriage. He uh, allowed us to get the children we wanted so desperately to adopt. Or he brought children into our lives when people said we couldn't have children. He was there when I was in a bad time. He helped me through the death of my father, the death of my mother, the death of my child. You can share those things and glorify God by the deeds he has done. Finally, as we look at it, we are sent to embody God's love. In verse 25 and 26... O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. He wants his love to be in us. That's an exciting thing to think about, that he wants... That. Jesus wants the love of God to dwell in us. And when that love dwells in us, it is also going to overflow through us. Because it can't help but overflow if we recognize His love. Traditional missionaries, as we think about missionaries, we think about them sharing the gospel through translation and evangelism and things like that. Honestly, Especially in the closed areas of the world, most of our missionaries are not going out and standing on a street corner and sharing the gospel. What would happen to a missionary who went to uh, Russia right now and tried to stand on the corner and share the gospel? They'd get kicked out of the country right away. Go to some of the Islamic countries and they may get killed right away for doing that. What do missionaries typically do? Well, let's see, I know a missionary who they go to the country they're at and they program computers for the uh, equipment in that country. I know another missionary who practices medicine. I know one who works at a hardware store and I know one who works in marketing and advertisement. In each of these cases and in many others, I know missionaries that have these jobs in foreign countries, but guess what? I also know missionaries that have these jobs here in this church. Because as you do your job with excellence and live with people, start to embody God's love, and it overflows, and that's where the world starts to be influenced. The key to being a missionary is not what you do, It's not even where you do it. The key is allowing God's love for people to flow through you. For the last week, members of our church have done child care in Spain for missionary teams, serving in countries where their lives are threatened on a regular basis. The teams in these countries are there because they love the people. They are not there because they're going to get rich, They're not there because it's a comfortable life. They're not there because somebody's going to write a book about them once they're martyred in some time in the future. They're there because they love the people. Our team has watched the missionary childrens. Why? Out of a love for the missionaries and a love for their children. Some of you have supported those who've gone help them to raise funds to be able to cover the expense of going on that trip. Why? For love of those people, for love of God, and for love of the mission. You see, God is using us as we have the proper attitude of love to reach the world through the overflow of that love. You can be a missionary at Buddies at Family Dollar, at Elliott Elementary, wherever you are the key is allowing his love to flow through you so again the question are you loving people enough to be the only bible that they ever read because a lot of people you are the only bible they will ever read and they need to see that love but they also need to hear the words that describe what god has done You may have noticed the picture that was behind there. A globe on someone's hands, or a map of the world on somebody's hands. Because as we look at it, and the way that they're holding their hands, uh, it's kind of actually like this, of course. Rather awkward way to hold the hands, in my opinion. But, yeah, I guess it's to their own face. But are you looking at your hands and saying, what can these hands do to reach the world? I wish I could have found it, because if I could have found something like this, I would have had this slide transition slowly into a map of Holt. And ask you, are you holding Holt in your hands and in your heart? Because that's what God wants. Now, Some of you may be hearing this and going That's all great for those people But i'm not really sure what it means to have a relationship with christ I don't know what he means by unity with god and unity with other people In a few moments I invite you if you're one of those that doesn't know To come up And just talk to me or talk to someone else and say hey What's this mean? I really want to understand The majority of you here, though, you're a person that knows Christ, pray loves Christ. And the call for you is to say, I need to recognize more areas where I am a missionary in my everyday life. You know, if the people serving on our team had not been serving when they were here, they would not be effective serving over there. If Bobby and Melissa had not been effective serving here, they would not be effective serving over there. And so if God is calling you to take a further step forward to start being effective, you come forward and talk with me. Or maybe you're a person that's going, I am feeling like I've been involved in this ministry And I'm alone, and I shouldn't be alone in this ministry. Pray for me to find someone else to be in this ministry with you. Any of those people, as the uh, band comes and plays our closing song, you are invited to come and talk with me. But you're also just as invited to, if you don't want to talk to me, I'm fine. Turn to the person next to you and talk to them. In fact, I think it would be even better for those of you that are with your spouse to turn and pray with your spouse and say, Hey, I'm tired. I need somebody to help me in this ministry. Will you pray with me? Or I feel like I need to take the next step. I need to start serving more. Would you pray with me? However it is that you feel called to respond, respond to God today.